Are we building towards a totalitarian regime in the USA? Totalitarian governments are defined primarily by their aspiration to the creation of a utopian society by any means necessary. Not to be confused with authoritarian governance, in which the leader seeks merely to preserve a hold on power. Totalitarianism has lofty but ultimately unattainable goals that compel all of society to participate in unreasonable and oftentimes irrational acts of devotion to the state. Usually headed by an exceptionally charismatic leader, totalitarian regimes rely primarily on strong negative emotions, such as fear, to hold power. Totalitarianism is a political system or a form of government that prohibits opposition parties, restricts individual opposition to the state and its claims, and exercises an extremely high degree of control over public and private life. It is regarded as the most extreme and complete form of authoritarianism. In totalitarian states, political power has often been held by autocrats who employ all-encompassing campaigns in which propaganda is broadcast by state-controlled mass media. Totalitarian regimes are often characterized by extensive political repression, a complete lack of democracy, widespread personality cultism, absolute control over the economy, restrictions on speech, mass surveillance, and widespread use of state terrorism. Other aspects of a totalitarian regime include the use of concentration camps, repressive secret police, religious persecution, or state atheism, the extensive practice of capital punishment, fraudulent elections, if they take place, and potentially state-sponsored mass murder and genocides. Historian Robert Conquest describes a totalitarian state as one which recognizes no limit on its authority in any sphere of public or private life and it extends that authority to whatever length is feasible. The concept was first developed in the 1920s by both Weimar jurist, and later Nazi academic, Karl Schmidt and, concurrently, the Italian fascists. Italian fascist Benito Mussolini said everything within the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state. Schmidt used the term totalistic in his influential 1927 work on the legal basis of an all-powerful state, the concept of the political. The term gained prominence in Western anti-communist political discourse during the Cold War era as a tool to convert pre-World War II anti-fascism into post-war anti-communism. Totalitarian regimes are different from other authoritarian regimes. The latter denotes a state in which the single power holder an individual dictator, a committee, or a junta or an otherwise small group of political elite monopolizes political power. The authoritarian state, is only concerned with political power and as long as it is not contested it gives society a certain degree of liberty. Authoritarianism does not attempt to change the world and human nature. In contrast, a totalitarian regime attempts to control virtually all aspects of the social life, including the economy, education, art, science, private life, and morals of citizens. Some totalitarian governments may promote an elaborate ideology. The officially proclaimed ideology penetrates into the deepest reaches of societal structure and the totalitarian government seeks to completely control the thoughts and actions of its citizens. It also mobilizes the whole population in pursuit of its goals. Carl Joachim Friedrich writes that a totalistic ideology, a party reinforced by a secret police, and monopoly control of, industrial mass society are the three features of totalitarian regimes that distinguish them from other autocracies. A totalitarian system has the following six, mutually supportive, defining characteristics. 1. Elaborate guiding ideology. 2. Single mass party, 
typically led by a dictator. 3. System of terror, using such instruments as violence and secret police. 4. Monopoly on weapons. 5. Monopoly on the means of communication. 6. Central direction and control of the economy through state planning. Orwell and others feared that future totalitarian regimes could exploit technological advances in surveillance and mass media in order to establish a permanent and worldwide dictatorship, which would be incapable of ever being overthrown, if you want a vision of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Philosopher Toby Ord has called this a notable early precursor to modern notions of anthropogenic existential risk, the concept that, due in part to technological changes, a future catastrophe could permanently destroy the potential of Earth-originating intelligent life, here, by creating a permanent technological dystopia. Ort states that Orwell's writings show that Orwell's concern was genuine, rather than just a throwaway part of the fictional plot of 1984, for example, Orwell argues in 1949, a ruling class which could guard against, for previously enumerated sources of risk, would remain in power permanently. Bertrand Russell wrote in 1949, modern techniques have made possible a new intensity of governmental control, and this possibility has been exploited very fully in totalitarian states. Other emerging technologies that have been postulated to empower future totalitarianism, include brain reading and various applications of artificial intelligence. Philosopher Nick Bostrom has noted a possible trade-off, some existential risks might be mitigated by a powerful permanent world government but such power could in turn enhance any existential risks associated with permanent dictatorship. Totalitarian regimes do not tolerate dissenting or even alternative views. Those who promote such views are usually dealt with very harshly. There is little independent media in a totalitarian state, every TV channel, radio station and newspaper are merely a state mouthpiece used to further indoctrinate society. There are no elections, since opposing views are illegal. Such regimes also control all means of communication. Emails, letters, and phone calls, for example, are closely monitored so that opposition can be wiped out before it spreads. In totalitarian regimes, both real and perceived setbacks, whether historical or current, are usually blamed on a particular group of state-designated undesirables, such as a particular ethnic group. Adolf Hitler, for example, blamed Germany's economic and political problems on non-Aryan people, communists, homosexuals, and others easily marginalized. The already frustrated Germans, once they had a target at which to aim their anger, were willing to participate in irrational acts in order to rid their society of the imaginary threat. Of course, scapegoating is simply a unifying tactic, once the public develops an us-versus-them mentality, it is easier to advance the regime's goals and ideals. The consequences of government overreach, totalitarianism, mass surveillance, and repressive regimentation of all persons and behaviors within society. Examine the role of truth and facts within politics and their manipulation. Much of the world has fallen victim to perpetual war, omnipresent government surveillance, historical negationism, and propaganda. The thought police will persecute individuality and independent thinking. The Ministry of Love, Mina Love, oversees torture and brainwashing, to ensure a love for Big Brother. The Ministry of Plenty, Mini Plenty, oversees shortage and rationing. The Ministry of Peace, Mini Packs, oversees war and atrocity. The Ministry of Truth, Mini True, oversees propaganda and historical negationism. 
the year 2020 in which is being completed, and that the date was meant to give an immediacy and urgency to the menace of totalitarian rule. While citizens of the United States are trained to despise the ideologies of the uncivilized and barbarous, the theory and practice of oligarchical collectivism explains that in fact the superstate's ideologies are practically identical and that the public's ignorance of this fact is imperative so that they might continue believing otherwise. Ministry of Truth maps and distribute propaganda to ensure their belief in the war. However, due to the fact that we will barely remember these events and due to the party's manipulation of historical records, the continuity and accuracy of these events are unknown. The class hierarchy of totalitarian America has three levels. 1. The upper-class inner party, the elite ruling minority, who make up 2% of the population. 2. The professional managerial class outer party, the middle class, who make up 13% of the population. 3. The lower-class proletariat, who make up 85% of the population and represent the working class. As the government, the party controls the population with four ministries, each named after the opposite of their true function. The Ministry of Peace deals with war and defense. The Ministry of Plenty deals with economic affairs, starvation and rationing. The Ministry of Love deals with law and order, torture and brainwashing. The Ministry of Truth deals with news, entertainment, education, and art, propaganda. How conditioning is contributing to thought control. Have you not heard of doublethink? Basically, the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. Like so many newspeak words, this word has two mutually contradictory meanings. Applied to an opponent, it means the habit of impudently claiming that one is three, in contradiction of the plain facts. Applied to a party member, it means a loyal willingness to say that one is three when party discipline demands this. But it means also the ability to believe that one is three, and more, to know that one is three, and to forget that one has ever believed the contrary. This demands a continuous alteration of the past, made possible by the system of thought which really embraces all the rest, and which is known in Newspeak as double-think. The standard of living of the populace is low overall. Consumer goods are scarce, and all those available through official channels are of low quality, for instance, despite the party regularly reporting increased boot production, more than half of the American populace will go barefoot. The government claims that poverty is a necessary sacrifice for the war effort, and the ruler confirms that to be partially correct since the purpose of perpetual war consumes surplus industrial production. Outer party members and proles occasionally gain access to better items in the market, which deals in goods that were pilfered from the residences of the inner party. How we are almost past the point of compliance, not because they are brainwashing, yet we are being distracted beyond our capacity to even care. Are citizens being environmentally engineered into an intelligence-based social hierarchy? Is this an impersonal generation of the future that will take the place of a hideous system? In vast technological incubators, rows upon rows of distractions will supply the world with the population it requires. The family system will disappear, society, sapped at its very base, will have to find new foundations, and arrows, beautifully and irresponsibly free will flit like a gay butterfly from flower to flower through a sunlit world. After the Age of Enlightenment came what we may now call the American Age, lasting as long as the boom. Not too many to have solved the social riddle and made capitalism the common good. But it was not native to us, it went with a buoyant, 
not to say blatant optimism, which is not our negligent or negative optimism. Much more than Victorian righteousness, or even Victorian self-righteousness, that optimism has driven people into pessimism. For the slump will bring even more disillusionment than the war. A new bitterness, and a new bewilderment, will run through all social life, and will be reflected through social media. It will be contemptuous, not only of the old capitalism, but of the old socialism. The world state will be built upon the principles of Henry Ford's assembly line. Mass production, homogeneity, predictability, and consumption of disposable consumer goods. While the world state lacks any supernatural-based religions, any residual unhappiness is resolved by an antidepressant and hallucinogenic drug called social media. Community, identity, stability. Every discovery in pure science is potentially subversive, even science must sometimes be treated as a possible enemy. Yes, even science. Science was something you made helicopters with, something that caused you to laugh at the entertainment, something that prevented you from being wrinkled and losing your teeth. That's another item in the cost of stability. It isn't only art that's incompatible with happiness, it's also science. But we're always saying that science is everything. It's a hypnopedia platitude. Yes, but what sort of science? Too good, good enough to realize that all our science is just a cookery book, with an orthodox theory of cooking that nobody's allowed to question, and a list of recipes that mustn't be added to except by special permission from the head cook. Totalitarian America is the head cook now. Within the next generation I believe that the world's rulers will discover that infant conditioning and narco-hypnosis are more efficient, as instruments of government, than clubs and prisons, and that the lust for power can be just as completely satisfied by suggesting people into loving their servitude as by flogging and kicking them into obedience. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared those who would deprive us of information. Huxley feared those who would give us so much that we would be reduced to passivity and egotism. Orwell feared that the truth would be concealed from us. Huxley feared the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture, preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy porgy, and the centrifugal bumble puppy. As Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and rationalists who are ever on the alert to oppose tyranny failed to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. In 1984, Orwell added, people are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that our fear will ruin us. Huxley feared that our desire will ruin us. Why Americans are not taught history. We dwell in a present tense culture that somehow, significantly, decided to employ the telling expression you are history as a choice reprobation or insult, and thus elected to speak forgotten volumes about itself. By that standard, the forbidding dystopia of a totalitarian regime is already belonging, both as a reality and as a date. 2020 while the hedonist nihilism still beckons toward a painless, amusement-sodden, and stress-free consensus. A regime that would go to any lengths to own and possess history, to rewrite and construct it, and to inculcate it by means of coercion could break because it could not bend. In 1988, four years after 1984, 
the Soviet Union scrapped its official history curriculum and announced that a newly authorized version was somewhere in the works. This was the precise moment when the regime conceded its own extinction. For true blissed out and vacant servitude thought, you need an otherwise sophisticated society where no serious history is taught. The industrial age is behind us. The age of information and technology is at its peak. Don't let the rise of a totalitarian America make you forget what was, what is, and what can become. The greatest nation on this plane of existence is the imagination. The 2045 is alive.